Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to another edition of the BritsNet.com, PredictiForm.com preview podcast. Looking ahead this weekend to the Pacific Classic on Saturday at Del Mar. Three very big names in thoroughbred racing right now. Horse of the Year, California Chrome, multiple champion, and last year's Pacific Classic winner, the Mayor Beholder, and two-time grade one winner, Dortmund, California Chrome and Dortmund faced off last time in the San Diego and California Chrome got the measure of that adversary. Uh, He did give weight to Dortmund, but Dortmund was coming in off a long layoff, though California Chrome coming in off the Dubai World Cup as well. Beholder lost a little bit of shine to what is certain to be a racing Hall of Fame career, but in terms of this season, a little bit of shine losing to Stellar Wind in the Clement Hirsch at Del Mar. And, uh, you know, that loss certainly stung at 1-10 to 10 or 1-5, to 5, whatever she was that day. She did lose to last year's three-year-old Philly champion. Uh, and more importantly for looking ahead to the Pacific Classic is uh, the, the numbers actually came back pretty decent. It, it was a fast race. Uh, and as James Scully wrote about, on Twinspires.com, uh, it was a faster race than she ran when winning the Clement Hirsch last year uh, and then went on to win the Pacific Classic. So uh, the loss, uh, you know, you were a fan and liked to see her build a resume, definitely stung a little bit. Uh, but if you think uh, she has a, a big chance in the Pacific Classic, your price went from, mm, three to two at the lowest, maybe as high as two to one against Chrome uh, to maybe three to one or seven to two. So not a huge premium, but definitely a, a better price. And from the form cycle perspective, not a huge reason to go against her uh, off the loss, but what was ultimately a fast race. And Dortmund, uh, the third of these, touched on him with California Chrome a little bit. Uh, obviously with him, uh, he is picking up more weight now against Chrome, but it is second off the layoff. And we have seen horses who finished behind American Pharaoh last year run very well as four-year-olds, Frosted uh, being the primary example of that. But uh, American Pharaoh definitely has uh, beaten some solid comeback winners. FNX won a grade one out of the Breeders' Cup Classic last year. Uh, The form has held well. Uh, to me, I have California Chrome as uh, uh, a 2-to-1 favorite, and uh, the other two obvious horses, Dortmund and Beholder, at 3-to-1 each. Uh, we definitely will not get 2-to-1 uh, on, on California Chrome. Excuse me, I'm choking on the absurdity of it. I just think he wins this race a third of the time, uh, but he's likely to be uh, even money or even odds on 4-to-5. And I, it's hard for me to say he will win this race more than half the time, which is what he would need to do to uh, be value uh, at four to five or even money. Uh, definitely looking forward to hearing what Danny thinks. Uh, took a peek at the race analyzer, uh, and it doesn't even have Chrome on top at eight to five, uh, but he is the top contender. So I, I sort of agree with the, the predictive form data. He's the most likely winner. You're not going to get your price. So the question becomes, how do you bet the race? 
and I'm sure Danny has some clever thoughts on that. Danny, how you doing? Ed, good to talk to you. Always. Uh, well, we we always have good races to look forward to, uh, but this one in particular pretty much shades of last year's. Uh, I think it was the Whitney that had uh, Honor Code and Liam's Map and maybe Tonalist, uh, but it had some big names in it, and this this is sort of the 2016 version. Uh, we had Frosted in the Whitney last time, and he rolled over that field, uh, and this time we have the competitive nature in the Pacific Classic. It's a mile and a quarter. It's equal weight. Uh, good chance that uh, Breeders' Cup and Horse of the Year implications from this race. We'll go through the field since it's the marquee race, but what were your initial thoughts uh, when you looked at the Classic? Yeah, well, just a quick quick note, and good job last week to both of us. Pat myself on the back for having Mondelist win the Arlington Millions at 4-1. At, uh, and, uh, yeah, I, I have a, some some thoughts on this race. It is really a great field. It you know, Going through each horse and talking in depth about the pace figures and kind of where they're coming from, it's one of the better fields I have seen uh, in terms of Without a doubt, it's the best Pacific Classic field I've ever seen because you have three, you know, potentially a couple horses and maybe a few outsiders that got a shot. So I'm I'm really looking forward to the race. Yeah, I agree. It's it's super strong, and uh, you know the the big three stand tall. And there's a couple other wrinkles with Imperative, Hard Aces, and Opportunity. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know the the no I consider no hopers War Story and Delmark uh, complete the field, but uh, you know, it's an honest field. You got nine. Uh, there's there's pace, uh, and it seems like the the three big ones are the ones who will be a part of that pace. But um, it, it, usually, when you have a horse of Chrome's notoriety and Beholder, uh, you know, you're looking at two to five, three to five, and you uh-huh. know, well, there's some look here for sure. Uh, one thing uh, I know, my colleague James Scully, and we'll start on the rail with California Chrome. Uh, he doesn't love the rail. He thinks the rail is a big reason he didn't fire his best shot uh, in the Belmont Stakes, which I'm not saying he would have beat Tonalist that day anyway, but I think he would have maybe run better than Commissioner did. Uh, and uh, we saw him on the rail in the Pennsylvania Derby where he got beat by Byron. Uh, definitely does not seem to be the, the spot he likes to be in. Uh, a, is that a concern to you at all? And B, what are your views on California Chrome's overall chances? The rail's a concern whether it's a $10,000 claimer or a graded stakes race. Setting aside each individual horse, it's just, uh, you know, when you have a really long run into the first turn, which is what this is, right? It's the full length of the stretch. It's all about position from the rail, whereas the other post positions have less uh, uh, less importance. That being said, and, and looking at Chrome's figures, you know, his last out race was an 80, um, which kind of reverted back to the fastest figure he's had since November of 2014. Okay, so we haven't seen him run that kind of a number in the U.S. in close to two years. Chrome has this ability to string together 80s, um, and his four furlong figure was 72, his six furlong figure was 72. It was a really, it was a perfect race, um, and I thought that he did just enough to win the race. I, he probably could have done a little bit more or had a little bit more, but he was measured. 
The question is whether he can come back and fire a similar kind of race. Forgetting about the field for a second, Ed. Let's not worry about the field. Let's just talk about whether Chrome can repeat that kind of 80. And, you know, you talked about you give him a third of a – I think you said you give him a 33% chance of winning the race. Or did you say that? Or right, yeah, two to one. Yeah. So further to that point, I give him about a 50% chance of firing an 80 again. Um, and I'm not even saying an 80 is going to win it, but I think that there's enough likelihood off his last race that he could regress as much as he could move forward, um, which which when I'm thinking about next moves is a little bit concerning. I mean, he's got a the 10 furlong figure that he ran at the Breeders' Cup in 2014, November 1st, the Breeders' Cup Classic. He ran 81 at Santa Anita. Uh, the the 10 furlong race that he ran at Churchill, I ran 79.2 on Derby Day. So, you know, he's got this ability to run a 79 and 80, maybe an 81 at 10 furlongs. But the stretch out from 8.5 to 10 is, you know, from my perspective, a tad concerning, um, only to the extent that he's going to have to continue at the same pace for an additional 1.5 furlongs, right, to run an 80 at 8.5 furlongs and to run an 80 at 10 furlongs, the last 1.5 furlongs need to be run at the same pace. He can't regress off that number, or he will regress. So there's just enough of a concern that it's worth looking in other directions. I mean, he's a terrific horse. He's outrun his value. Um, you know, you can't say anything bad about California Chrome, but purely from a wagering standpoint and from a betting standpoint, I would think he's going to have to be closer to, you know, his morning line odds of eight to five to have more reasonable value. And, and if you're right and you think he goes off at even, then the value is not going to be on California Chrome. Well said. Uh, yeah, uh, I agree with pretty much everything. The one thing I'll add from a statistical standpoint, 37 dirt routes uh, Del Mar so far this meet, which is anything from a mile and beyond. I'm not sure they've run any mile and a quarter races. Uh, I know they've had a mile and a half. But anyway, 37 dirt routes at Del Mar, one winner from the rail. Uh-huh. So, uh, you know, 37, not the biggest sample size. One definitely sticks out to me, though, and that that definitely says it's not the best place to be. Uh, I want to look into a little more and see how you know how many were close to winning, what their odds right. were, et cetera. But interesting to note, one for thirty-seven. Uh, and and again, I do think he's the most likely winner. But at four to five, that's just another reason where you know maybe you, you don't pin right. all your hopes on him, even. If, and, you know, and, and look, there's there's something else that we have. You haven't mentioned, and it just just hearing you speak and then looking at it, like he's undefeated this year, right? He hasn't he hasn't had a blemish on his record yet. It's a really hard thing to do, and this is like, and we'll talk about the field more. This is a really good field. These are his peers in here, and he becomes vulnerable. He will be vulnerable, as we know. I mean, which one call it here in this race? Lost at one to five, one to nine, right? Beholder lost at one to five, one to nine. So Beholder did, right? She won last year. No, but I'm saying her last race, she lost at one to nine. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, so, one to ten. So, yeah. right, right. So horses can be beat. There's no such thing as a sure thing, and this is a spot where the public will flock to Chrome, 
So from a, a figure perspective, Chrome's a, as likely winner as a couple others, but because of the odds, uh, he is probably not going to be a choice on top for us. He's not going to be a choice on top for us. All right, we'll continue through the field because it is yeah. so good, and obviously we have some uh, big names we'll, mm-hmm. we'll get to and have already mentioned. But to California Chrome's outside is Opportunity, a uh, horse who actually has, has taken money against uh, some good horses when he won the San Antonio. Uh, he was uh, just short of 2-1. to one. He got the nose win over Imperative there. Uh, he was third in the Dubai World Cup, actually finished ahead of Frosted, uh, that day had Flavian Pratt aboard, uh, who hops aboard this time. Uh, didn't do much in the uh, Santa Anita Gold Cup. Uh, seems capable of a big effort, though. He has a few triple-digit numbers on his brisnet speed rating. To me, though, he feels like if anyone's going to try to beat the top three, he might be the op- alternative for them. I just think he, he, even being 8-1 to one on the morning line, I feel like – he's going to be over bet. Um, but he is an interesting horse, and here is Baffert's other choice. I, I would agree. And stranger things have happened. And I'll tell you about opportunity and what, what I see from his line. And if you look at his line, his last out race was 79.5 at 10 furlongs. So he, is the, he, he has the fastest last out race at the same distance, which is significant. Right, it's a it's a significant thing to say that he ran the fastest ten furlong figure in his last out race. So I do like the fact that he's wheeling back at the same distance. I'm going to excuse the Hollywood Gold Cup only to the extent that well, I just wasn't crazy about the Mike Smith change to Mike Smith. I, I think that Mike Smith is is not a horse like opportunity that's already suited to not to come off the pace with a guy like Mike Smith who is suited to not push his horses, is like a double negative. So I think the move back, the jockey move, will be a real positive. But if you look at his figures and his step from 72 to 77 to 79, this is forward progress, right? And his next race, because his fastest furlong figure, opportunity's fastest furlong figure is 75, and that was run at 10 furlongs, I think he has the ability to be closer to the pace. Now, I don't know that he's going to run a new pace top in here, but he could run something like a double top. I mean, if he, you know, if the pace is really fast, he's going to get dragged to the lead. I, I think he's set for a forward move, Ed. I really do. And he's at 79.5. So if he comes back and runs 75, 79.5 at 10 furlongs, he's got the same chance as California Chrome has to win the race. Now, you have the difference between 8 to 1 and even money. Now, if Opportunity moves forward just a point off that 79.5 figure, he can win because 80 will win, win this race, 80.5, 79.5. That's what's going to win. I think he's got a chance to run that, and I certainly think at 8 to 1 odds, there's value there. We can talk a little bit more about the speed, but the race is potentially setting up for th- this type of running style, especially if the jockey can keep him closer to the to the lead, which I think he's going to do. I think he's got an ability to run a 65-4 furlong figure, which will keep him you know, within, say, six lengths of the lead versus eight or ten lengths to the lead. So uh, I know that, and this is where I would, in terms of my own evaluation, I would differ off the value plays. And I'll talk about the value plays and, and some of the things that the value plays are doing. 
Opportunity has underperformed his whole career, Ed. This is a horse that had really high – I mean, I, I'm saying underperformed. Meanwhile, the horse has made, what, $3 million? But this horse has been yeah, talked about nine. for a long – was talked about for a very long time as being, um, you know, one of the better horses. And I just don't know that he's – he hasn't had that race, right? He hasn't had that separation. Would you agree with that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, you know, last year in the Santa Anita Gold Cup, he was nosed out by Hard Aces, who we'll get to. Uh, he's run behind Beholder, uh, ran against Race Day on Breeders' Cup Day, who's a good horse, second to Epinex. I mean, just uh-huh. always there, and he's won a lot of money, as you noted. But, yeah, he, he's definitely missing that sort of marquee win, uh, and this would this would be it, no question about that. And, and that's part of what what I'm suggesting here is, and he ran second to California Chrome in the Santa Anita Derby. I think he skipped the Triple Crown season, right? He ran third in the Stephen Foster. Um, uh, so, I mean, you know, he raced against the likes of, I mean, he's raced against really good horses. Melatonin is a really good horse. I just think, look, at some point, Opportunity is going to win a big grade one race, Right. And he hasn't done so yet. He's run second a bunch of times. I think he won the Clark, but he hasn't won the big one. And I think he's going to. I think he's definitely going to win a grade one, and he's going to run a frosted style type race where he just has his day. I'm willing to bet to one six to one that this could be his day. I think there's real value here with opportunity. As I mentioned, that you know he can run an eighty or an eighty and a half, which gets him there. I like opportunity. All right. Well, that's uh, he's consistent. I, I mean, the one thing I for sure agree with uh, is he is going to run run his race, and we see that whether it's first net or predictive form, very very consistent for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, from a horse but, with an outside point. chance. One more point. Yeah. And you talked about Mike Smith, and I went back. Smith is one for sit, one for five, one for six on opportunity. The only race he won was the Rebel, but. Horses suit jockeys, and jockeys suit horses. And as I, I was talking about it and, and then took a look, it's, there's, there's no doubt about it that Smith and Opportunity didn't sync up. Um, you know, one for five, one for six in the win column is not great with a horse like this. So I think you know, Flavian Pratt's a good, a good rider. It looks like it's the first time he's up on the horse. Did he ride the horse before? Um, yeah, he, he won the San Antonio and third in the World Cup. So, I mean, he's okay. definitely in sync. Yep, yep, yep. So, okay, that supports my story. Good. I'm glad it didn't go against what I said. All right, yep. All right, well, I'll continue with the, the segue. Uh, outside chance uh, to just an outsider. Uh, war story would be as surprising a winner uh, as I have ever seen in my 15 years working and racing professionally. Oh, that's a big statement, Ed. Um, hold on a second. Wait, which, the, the last race? Oh, is him winning this race, you mean? In this race, yeah, if he won this yeah. race. Uh, okay, well, that was a dramatic statement. I, I wasn't paying attention, or I think I lost it. Yeah, no shot. Yeah, uh, yeah. From from one to twenty to should be a thousand to one, but uh, right. Here he is. All right. Uh, to his outside uh, is actually the the horse uh, I prefer 
to the top three if you want to take a shot. It sounds like opportunity mm-hmm. is that horse for you. Uh, but Hard Aces, uh, I really like the, the Cougar a mile and a half. Uh, did it gate to wire? We certainly won't see him on the lead here. Uh, I just right. think it speaks to him being informed that he was able to go to the league. Granted, that was a great three. Um, so he was able to do it his way, as you would expect, uh, from a grade one animal against those types. Uh-huh, he did uh-huh. come home in a mile-and-a-half race uh, in 24-3. and three. Uh, To me, he's sharp. He's in form. Do I think, all things being equal, he's better than – California Chrome Beholder Dortmund, no, of course not. Uh, but at fifteen to one, I'll definitely be playing him to uh, to be at least one of them home. So maybe one of them wins. If Hard Aces is the the one second, though, I still think we're going to get value. Uh, uh-huh. So I'm interested in him, and he's done it before. He's a Grade One winner at the distance, and you're getting a good price. From a figure perspective, we can. We could draw a line through that 12 furlong figure. It was a soft pattern. They went really slow, whatever. You know, going back, he ran a 79, almost an 80 in the Gold Cup. Um, you know, he ran a 77 and 80. So he's got the to fire there. Um, I just happen to like opportunity more than I like hard aces in this spot. But I wouldn't, you know, as you mentioned, he's certainly worth somebody to look underneath. He is an improving sort, but... Um, I, I he ran an eighty point six in his Breeders' Cup uh race last year, but that as much as an eighty point six drag along, meaning that the the winner went eighty four, so it was just a super fast race. I think he's a step below these. I'm a little less enthusiastic about him in the winner place position. All right. Well, that's fair enough. Uh well I'm interested to see where ultimately he lands price wise, because I think Chrome will be four to five. He's eight to five on the morning line. Those points have to go somewhere if Chrome takes more money. I think he could be twenty to one, and and that's fine with me. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Uh, when the space is to his outside and uh, not awful, uh, Talamo not having a great meet, only eight uh, percent. That's definitely uncharacteristic for him. Uh, the trainer only three percent in graded stakes. If this were a salty allowance, uh, you know, I might say eh, maybe he can he can get a slice. Uh, but grade right. one company, I, I just worry about what you know what the connections will be able to get the most out of this one. Uh, he was way back from Chrome and Dortmund uh, in the San Diego handicap, and that was getting weight. Now he's at equal weights. Uh, I just think this one's up against it. Agreed, and he's actually on a regressing line, so kind of like what we call a rainbow pattern or what I look at it as a rainbow pattern. So it starts low, it it peaks, and then it drops off. And that 10 furlong race in the Gold Cup, he, he kind of shot his wad there. I mean, that was a really good race. He ran almost 80. He regressed in the San Diego handicap, and I would expect further regression and uh, would discount, would, would draw a line through, win the space. Uh, imperative uh, from connections not having a great meet to a couple that are doing not so bad. Trainer Baltus, 18%, and Alberto Arroyo, uh, who Naira aficionados might remember from doing okay in the intermeet way back when. Right. Not bad at 14%, uh, and actually they've hooked up uh, their 17% together. Uh, this one, though, I do worry about the mile and a quarter. He's 0 for 8 right. at the distance. Uh, seems capable of, of running a big one. And third wouldn't shock me. 
uh, you know, if he happened to stick around, but uh, he's one that uh, the win end, uh, you know, not to the level of War Story or win the space, but on the win end, he's definitely not one of the ones for me. Agree, agree. We have he's actually first in the value play picks, but there's a reason why, and it's something that we're got, we've going to take a little bit of a look at. But a horse like Imperative, when he's got that, he ran an 87 at Charlestown over a year ago in the Charlestown Classic. And that weighted 87 continues to impact his projection in terms of his performance. At some point, we have to drop that 87 off, and he's one race from it being dropped off. So, uh, you know, when you look at the, the when you look at the tailing average of 10 races and 12 races, that race has just got another race or two before it falls off. So, I think he's overweighted in here. I think he's got really minimal chance in the first three positions, if you're playing four deep, you could consider him in the fourth position, but not a whole lot of value and, um, yeah, a, a pass for me. Uh, maybe he gets even more money. He should be a hundred to one. Maybe he goes off at 20 to one and, um, just <laughs> places some, some money on that. Like that's wishful thinking, but I would, I would really, I'm not planning on using imperative at all in the first three positions. All right. Uh, yeah, I'm probably with you unless something happens where I, you know, have all all in third or all but one. Unless something happens um, when you accidentally had too much to drink and you press the all button instead of select a couple, right, Ed? Exactly. Exactly. Well, one who will figure prominently uh, in many people's uh, tickets, and we'll see how much in yours, uh, is Uh Beholder. Uh, She won this race last year. Uh similar path uh, that she took this year into the race uh, with the vanity squeezed in this year. Uh, you know, the the second and the, the Hirsch disappointed some people. She was 1 to 10, but uh, it did get a 106 brisk net rating, which uh, is right there with some of her best numbers, uh, better than the, the 102 she earned in this race last year. So from a form pattern on BristNet anyway, uh, the numbers say she's coming into this faster than she did last year. Uh, so no reason to, to panic if you didn't want to, uh, if, if you were looking to play her, you're getting a better price than she yeah. would have won. Uh, my concern uh, is is Gary Stevens. I just, I don't know how he lost that race on the Hirsch. A couple colleagues of mine say Stellar Wind just ran better. I think an Irad Ortiz or a Javier Castellano or, heck, even Victor Espinosa, who was on Stellar Wind, would have won that race on Beholder. And, and I don't mean any disrespect to a Racing Hall of Fame jockey who whose stats are among the best that have ever been compiled. Uh, but given what we know about his injuries and age, uh, I see him as a liability against this group. And it's tough to take short prices when you're worried about the jockey. Um, is that fair or foul? No, it's great. That's really good. Uh, I would have been a lot more uh, critical and personal in my description of that race. Um, so good for you, Ed. Let's let's look at his pace figures for a little bit. Uh, his best race of his life last year was in the Pacific Classic. He won a 79.1 with a cyclical pace stop. That means it was the fastest four furlong figure within his last 10 races, okay? So his fastest four furlong figure, her fastest furlong figure is 77. The three prior races in 2015, June, and in the first part of August were 75, 75, and 73 soft patterns. So you look at about 
consistent 75s moving towards that 79. Okay. This year, the three races moving towards that 79 or, or the Pacific Classic are 72, 74, and 76. So progressing four furlong final figures, while uh, a four furlong figure went from 64 to 58 to 70. So also improving four furlong figures as well as final figures. So on paper, from a figure perspective, she could be set for a forward move. Now, if I just look at these figures, if, if I were to take, you know, not look at the name Beholder and just look at a horse that had these figures, this horse is outclassed. I mean, the horse has got 179 in its life, two 79s in its lifetime, one at the distance, compared to four horses I've already named that have run frequent 80s. So, purely from a figure perspective, this horse is outclassed. What we can't account for in the pace figures and we can't account for in any you know, logical way is the determination of this, of this mare. And I can't undervalue grit and determination in a race like this. I think Gary is a liability. I really do. The move from Dortmund to Beholder, and I'd like to hear more about that. But I have a hard time not considering Beholder because of the intangibles. If Paul were here and the guys who ride our engine, they would say, well, that's absolutely, you know, we are a engine that looks purely at the figures. I can see a forward move from Beholder to run 79. I don't think 79 wins. I think 79 and a half or 80 wins. I think Opportunity is going to run a better race than Beholder. But if Beholder fires that race and is as good with grit and determination she should be there in the, you know, uh, in the top three. I, I think she's going to be in the top three, um, and we'll have to figure out who we're going to eliminate from the top three. But it's the, it's the uh, intangibles here with Beholder that keep me interested, in, and not the figures. All right. Yeah. I mean, she's 17 for 23 lifetime, and. Six of those losses, four of them were runner, runners up. Right. So she's she's certainly uh, right there. Uh, you did mention Dortmund, quote unquote, losing Stevens. I think he was always committed uh, to Beholder. Uh, so uh-huh. I don't read too much into that from a choice standpoint. And I mean, to my po- point about what jockey I'd want, uh, certainly don't have a problem with uh, Bejarano picking up the mount uh, right. on Dortmund for Baffert. Uh, lost to San Diego. That was off the the layoff. Does pick up a little bit of weight to be at equal weights now with Chrome. Uh, but, I mean, this, this is one of the ones. Uh, it's just a matter of what you peg as fair value at and, you know, whether that means it's a win bet or, or not or, you know, what you do in various other wagering gimmicks. But, uh, you know, he's a two-time grade one winner. He he certainly fits and would, would be no surprise. Uh, I, I feel like even off the layoff, though, all things being equal, last time was probably the time if he was going to beat Chrome, who was coming off the Dubai trip, that would have been it. I just feel like Chrome's even more primed for this race. Um, but, you know, if you're comfortable with the 3-1, to one, uh, I, I wouldn't fault you either. Where did you land on Dortmund? I was furious about the last race. I mean, I had Dortmund big. And uh, um, it was a rider error again, you know. So I, I'm going to need to retract what I just said about Beholder. 
looking at <laughs> looking at Dortmund, I was so pissed off, Ed. I mean, I really was. Dortmund should have beat California Chrome, uh, especially because you saw the horse rally back. And the, the sensibility about how to run a race and how to rate a race like that when you you know when you have your competition behind you the whole way in what really didn't need to be a, a 110. They could have gone 111. And Chrome, I, in other words, that, that pace was too fast. And whatever pace Gary would have gone, Chrome was going to stalk, right? Chrome was going to stalk and move in the stretch. So once right. Chrome latched on to Dortmund, Gary should have been aware and done a better job of rating the horse. And I think he... Uh, you, you know, as you get older, you sort of lose that sense of timing. I do think that's an important note. A, a different jockey should have won that race. I mean, I'm stung by that race. I am furious still. Uh, so to come back to, uh, can you tell I'm pissed off about it? Uh, because, you know, I was getting almost one and a half to one on a horse that had been two to five and three to five previously. And all of his races, right. you know, he never went off at even money. So this was like huge value for me. But um so Dortmund draws outside of Beholder. Dortmund's last three races, last two races, and, and really his comeback race this year was 79. So he is at the level of his height of last year. So his fastest race he ever went figure-wise was in the Kentucky Derby, and he went 80 flat last year, um, third to American Pharaoh. From that 80 flat, he regressed. He ran 66 took some time off, we know, uh, ran, the Preakness was just slow, right, it was a really bad track, we draw a line through that, he came back in October, ran that Big Bear, um, ran another decent race in the Native Diver, these are cheap races, comes back in the San Diego Handicap against Chrome, runs 79, it's a really good figure, first out off the bench, I can see improvement off that figure, his four furlong figures are strong, and, um, you know, is for for me, does is he have the ability to outbreak Beholder and be on the lead, or is it because Beholder is just inside that Dortmund will wind up being in the same stalking position California Chrome was in? So this is a pace scenario as much as it is anything else. Um, and I'd be interested to get your input on it. I guess based on the PPs, you would think that Dortmund might be on the lead. Yeah, I, I think Dortmund is a pace setter here. You do? Okay. Yeah. Uh, I just uh, – and I think you hit it with the San Diego. Uh, Chrome is, is going to stalk, and even from the rail, I mean, he's got to go, so he might break on top. But mm -hmm. by the time they pass the wire the first time, which is a quarter mile into the race, I expect by then, even if Chrome breaks on top, uh, Victor is going to let – Dortmund go. Uh, mm -hmm. The question also is where is Beholder and all that. Um, and, you know, it'll be a, a cat and mouse of who moves when and how much uh, Raphael tries to back down the pace. Uh, it, it's a fascinating race on every angle. Uh, but, but Dortmund, uh, if, if he wins, it, it's going to be gate to wire. Yeah. Well, and, and so let's wrap this race up and I'll give you some final opinions. But moving to the outside, and I think and I think, but I believe that the outside horse is going to have an impact on the race. The horse is not going to win, not going to finish in the top three. But if you were to look at the four furlong figures of Dalmore, and remember the pace figures are free for Delmar this weekend, so you should be able to pull them up and look. He is the only runner 
that has two furlong figures on his resume. So in February, he ran a seven furlong race with a 77.5 four furlong figure. Okay, His last race, he ran 75.5 four furlong figure at an eight and a half uh, furlong race. I think Dalmore has uh, speed. I mean, I think, not I think, the pace figures tell me he's going to go, and he might be faster than the two horses inside of him, whether he can get around, he's got that grit and toughness. I would expect that the pace will be prompted by this unsuspecting outside runner, and um, I think that could change the dynamic of the race and you know, kind of who sits, who goes, who's stalking, where they're coming from. But when you have that kind of a, a, a race where, let's say, we do have horses in the first pack, right, two or three we name, let's say we have a stalking group where Opportunity and California Chrome is, I, I think that the thing that's neat about Opportunity here is Opportunity will be able to see everybody in front of him. And that is a bit, there's value in that, when you have a race that has a couple really good horses, but that are going to be prompted by an outside runner. I like the idea that Opportunity will have a target to shoot at, whereas maybe a couple of these others, they'll have a target to shoot at, but they've got as good or better horses coming from behind them with California Chrome. So all that being said, in this race, I am going to put um, Opportunity on top of California Chrome with uh, – I can't – you know, I can't decide between Dortmund and Beholder for third. Um, but I, I like I like Opportunity and Chrome here and, and back and forth. But I like Opportunity the most with value. All right. Yeah, he's a really good price. And um, I'm not going to talk you off 8-1 to one and against this group. Uh, the one thing I'll say on Dalmore is a parting shot. Uh, I so many three-year-old options, granted very few in Southern California, uh, but we know Keith and Kent uh, can ship their horses. Um, I'm just surprised to see them go this uh-huh. route rather than, um, you know, one of the various Midwest or uh, various derbies uh, throughout the throughout the country. But uh, I think you brought up some good points about his only shot is, is going to be to be close and uh, certainly a factor uh, more early than late with him. Uh, my strategy is going to be to use the uh, three known commodities, uh, which is one, seven, eight, Chrome Beholder and Dortmund, uh, and key them with Hard Aces and, and hope Hard Aces sneaks in there over one of the three. Uh, and if Hard Aces is, is 20 to one or higher, uh, I, I'd stab across the board just, just for fun. Uh-huh. But, um, yeah. you know, by no means, uh, you know, prime win bet, but, uh, I'd want a, I'd want a little on them if if I can you know get twenty to one. Uh, but regardless, uh, a great race. Any any last thoughts on that before I ask you about the Alabama? No, I mean uh, you know I'm I'm backing on the fact that Opportunity hasn't run his A race of his lifetime, and the fact that he's going to have everybody that he needs to beat in front of him as his major advantage. And I'm going to stick with Opportunity on top. All right, well, a couple of H-bombs for us, Opportunity and Hard Aces. The Alabama may be a little uh, easier to to handicap, at least on the win end. Uh, looking at the value plays, uh, top contender is Songbird, which is no surprise, but even with the 1-5 to five morning line odds filled in, 
uh-huh. uh, still on top of the field. Uh, truly uh, an imposing presence in this race. Uh, my fair odds on her are two to five, uh, but I'm not going to try to beat her in anything. Dark Nile interests me a little bit underneath since she's one of the longest shots. Uh, maybe we can get a $10 exacta, uh, but otherwise just uh, looking forward to seeing her run a mile and a quarter. Yeah, run from betting on this race. <laughs> I, we, I mean, yeah. we have well, like I said, I'm going to look at the exacta probables, yeah. and I like Force the Pass and the Four Star Dave, so maybe I'll see yeah. something in the doubles too. But, yeah, I mean, yeah. They're, they're, this is not a race you target as a, as a horse player. Yeah. I mean, we have a, we have we have cold. I mean, I we have it six one in the value play picks. I have in exact a six one, maybe uh, just a six one. But uh, you know, I, I it's not a betting race. It'll be fun to watch Songbird run. But there's a lot more. It is really a good card here at in Saratoga. It's a great card at Del Mar, and I tend to focus on the race. These will be fun races to watch, but the real betting action is going to be that late pick four uh, topped off by the Pacific Classic. Without a doubt, a full day of of action. They got 12 at Saratoga. They got the the big one of the meet at Del Mar, and uh, we'll certainly uh, put a bow on it next week. Hopefully have something to crow about uh, and to look forward to uh, because the Traver is looking to have maybe a dozen, 14 horses uh, King's Bishop the same day. Lots of uh, lots of things to discuss next week, and hopefully uh, one of those things will be a winner. Right on, Ed. Good luck. All right, Danny Zucker, everyone. Uh, great insight into the Pacific Classic. We'll see if one of us can uh, get home or at least get on the board uh, one of our prices over the uh, top choices. But regardless, will be a fun race to watch. And as I said, we will be back next week uh, with a Travers Stakes preview podcast, Big Day at Saratoga. Until then, thanks for listening.